Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Robert Martin, Nasser Mashni and Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi. Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English-language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Nasser. Morning, Yusuf. How are you doing? Happy 2019 to you and all our listeners. It's uh, going to be a new dawn, a new era. And this is our 15th year. This year will mark our 15th anniversary. Wow. So uh, I don't know how, but uh, it's number 15 now. Well, it almost feels like 2012. Nasser, I hope you and the listeners uh, have had a great holiday and relaxing one. But this is another reminder that Beit Lahem, the uh, place birth of Jesus Christ, has seen another Christmas under occupation. Another Christmas under occupation, another Christmas surrounded by walls. Yep, and cutting families, separating them from their other uh, relatives and friends and from worshipping areas. And I know know Christian friends of mine from uh, other parts of Beit Lahem who could not make it to Beit Lahem. Remember that this wall now would have prevented... Uh, you know, uh, Mary and Joseph uh, from ever getting to, to mm. Bethlehem from Nazareth and mm. the baby Jesus would never have been born there. And we will continue to repeat uh, our uh, hope uh, that uh, next Christmas, hopefully Christians of Palestine, the Muslims of Palestine, Palestinians around the world mm-hmm. will will be free. Um, uh, but until then, we have to continue uh, highlighting the... Um, the, suffer- the suffering, the human rights uh, violations against Palestinians, and I guess we will start with Gaza, Nasser. So we'll go straight to Gaza, and um, we're going to come back and talk about the Labour Party. But uh, interestingly, a report was released in Gaza on the mental health service by the mental health services on the situations of what they call the, the concept, the Western construct of post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. And one of the realities of um, Palestinians in Gaza, but also Palestinians in all of historic Palestine, and those that are in refugee camps all around the world, and diaspora Palestinians like you and I. Mm. Um, We have an ongoing post-Nakba stress disorder, um, but this is not a... Not to mention that the Nakba is still ongoing. What's ongoing, Mm. post-Nakba and continuing Nakba. I don't know, we need the seven-letter acronym for that. We need to find a way to get it a little bit shorter. But the reality of um, the mental health service, mental health situation of those in Gaza, Gaza, and this Western construct of post-traumatic stress disorder, it's framed around an American uh, soldier going to Iraq and you know killing some brown people and going home and feeling a bit bad and feeling sad. 
Mm. You know, he heard a, heard a car backfire and he thinks he's back in the war zone. Well, the reality is in relative safety now back in the West, having um, committed the crimes his government sanctioned him to do in, in the Arab world or anywhere in yeah, the brown world. Else. Um, for, for somebody in Gaza, the concept of post-traumatic stress disorder, whether it was, you know, uh, Operation Protective Edge or any of the other massacres perpetuated by the, the Israelis in Gaza, and including the ongoing um, uh, murderous uh, activities every Friday in the Great Return March. For, for Gazans, there is no post-traumatic. Mm. It's ongoing trauma. And, and the, the reality is there's no clinical definitions. I mean, if you're a Palestinian in Gaza and your uh, house was uh, bombed or your brother was shot, there's no, I'm, I can go to the mall now because mm. I'm in Idaho or I'm in Melbourne or I'm in London. The, the stress continues because the reality is... The fear of this happening again it's very is real. still valid. Yeah? It's very real. Mm. Ongoing air, sea, uh, land blockade. You know, nobody's coming in, nobody's going out. And Israeli officials keep reminding us that it's a matter of of time. One of them, they will say that we will reoccupy Gaza. The other will say maybe we will uh, bulldoze it to the ground again. And and, and then we've heard uh, an Israeli uh, minister in 2014 uh, calling for another Hiroshima in Gaza. A Shoah, not a Hiroshima, a Shoah, which is the uh, Hebrew word for Holocaust. Hmm. Another Shoah. And yet they get away with it. And they get away with it. And you talk about the statistics. A quarter of Palestinian adolescents, you know, this is 12 Youth. to 19, mm. have attempted suicide in mm. Gaza. A quarter. We have the highest mental illness rates in the world there. A quarter have, uh, over a quarter have post-traumatic stress as mm. well. I mean, the, the, the world's, in the first instance, Israel's culpability mm. in the mental health of Palestinians within Gaza, but also... The rest of historic Palestine mm. is absolute. Let's remind the listeners that when we talk about Gaza, we talk about a population that is predominantly refugees. So the continued denial of return of these refugees to where they are from in proper Palestine is the core, the root cause of the problem. Absolutely, it's the root cause of the problem. And and when I was the point I was making before, Yusuf, is the world's culpability. Mm. It isn't just Israel. I mean, they get the free card because nobody... The UN, the US, nobody is holding them to account mm. for the crimes that are being perpetrated. Complicity. That's absolute complicity. Mm. So interestingly, and I mean disturbingly, let me read you this um, quote. And this, this was a Palestinian man who um, was suffering of breathlessness, mm. um, went to the doctor. The doctor said, look, I can't see anything clinically wrong with you. Maybe you should speak to a psychiatrist. After a few um, uh, sessions, uh, a trust evolved. And this is the psychiatrist comments Mm. a few months later after he developed enough trust he told me that he had developed these symptoms breathlessness after he was attacked by soldiers who forced him to use filthy words against his wife and his mother he was so ashamed of the event and the fact that he had to comply with the instructions that this this created this situation i mean it's disgusting they know uh, the impact of these things against anyone but the added impact on Arabs, particularly given the value of what we call al-ard, which doesn't even have a word in English, mm-hmm. and the al-ard is the your your relation to the female members of the mm-hmm. family. That would be the mother, the sister, the wife, the daughter, and the female cousins, etc. Uh, so they know how damaging this can be, and nevertheless, you know, 
Yeah. They continue to do mm. it. And when you consider that, you know, take let's take Gaza out and 100% of that population is imprisoned. But Palestinians in general, within 40% of males, mm. have spent time in Israeli jails. Mm. There's no way that, you know, suddenly Palestinians are 40% uh, are, are that much more criminal than the rest of the world that four in ten males have to go to jail. And, uh, and, and uh, imprisonment in Palestine is on political reasons, not on criminal reasons. Throwing a stone at a, Throwing at a tank. Throwing a stone or even refusing to, um, to demolish your own house or yeah. things like that. So when you, when you factor in those numbers, the abject poverty... The denial of opportunity. The continued siege. We're talk, take, let's take ourselves out of Gaza. Let's go to the West Bank. Let's mm. go to East Jerusalem. Let's go to 48 proper inside inside uh, mm. uh, Israel. The denial of opportunities. All of those things, they're compounding poverty. Mm. Mm. You know, the reality, the median income of the Palestinian Israeli compared to the Jewish Israeli is a great disparity. Dispro- disproportionate. Absolutely. And then you move all your way down, whether it's you know a, a blue ID holder, a mm. Palestinian of Jerusalem, through to a West Bank uh, yeah. resident, to yeah. a West Bank refugee, mm. then to you know a Gazan, then to a Gazan refugee. Mm. You know, those levels and the, the statuses. The reality on a mental health of an entire society, which has created the situation, Yusuf, in the past year in Gaza, seen an exodus of Palestinians. Yes, uh, Nasser, uh, the figures in 2012, only one year, more than 20,000 Palestinian youth leaving Gaza and not returning, uh, basically for because it's impossible to have a future in, in, in Gaza. Mm-hmm. And not to mention uh, the up to 24,000 injured Palestinian youth, basically... Uh, not just youth, women, children, Absolutely. young men, paramedics, paramedics journalists. journalists. And we should make mention. 24,000. We're, we're talking a, about before, before we were talking about Gaza is bleeding its human resources, mm-hmm. whether by injury, by death, by mental damage, by immigration. When we talk about injuries in Gaza, we're not talking about a scratch that a Band-Aid. Mm. What we're talking about Israeli Permanent. snipers using exploding bullets mm. to shoot people's legs off. And to target them on the knees and, and Absolutely. To, to, to cause ampute, amputation. Permanent, life-changing mm. injuries. You know, mm. not, these are not things that you know, people are going to get healed from very quickly. Mm. Aside from the you know, intentional targeting of you know, our health workers, our um, ambulance drivers, journalists, etc., Nasser, uh, on uh, a hopeful uh, note uh, within this tragedy, I want to give credit to, to Arwa Atwan and her family uh, in the United States. Um, Arwa is a member of an American-Palestinian uh, refugee support group, uh, and uh, what they do is that they raise funds to either uh, bring uh, injured people for treatment in the United States or maybe send money for treatment in uh, Occupied Palestine. Uh, Arwa is uh, hosting in her place Muhammad Al Ajrami, a 16 year old Palestinian former athlete who lost his uh, leg because of uh, an Israeli sniper. Uh, currently is uh, in the United States for treatment and for putting uh, a leg brace. So um, the solidarity among the Palestinian uh, societies are still uh, giving us more hope that, you know, they can, um, while, while they continue to apply more injustice uh, on us, we will continue 
uh, to be in solidarity with each other. Absolutely. We, you know, what was the terms they thought the old will done, die and the young will forget. They didn't realize that we were seeds. No. We yep. will continue to grow. So we will go back to uh, uh, news from Gaza in future episodes, definitely. Absolutely. But uh, we we should have an update from an update. Uh, from Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. So um, as our listeners will know, we spoke about the upcoming, well now past, uh, triennial Labour Party National Conference, which is held every three years. And from mm-hmm. that... And from we that, sent our correspondent to Adelaide. That was you. <laughs> that that was I was there, of course. Yeah. I was there um, with a, a magnificent team from... The Australia-Palestine Advocacy Network, APAN, where you can go to apan.org.au and find out more. Um, and APAN had been, well, has been lobbying the Labor Party and, of course, the Liberal Party and the Greens for some time. But in, in particular, we had been asking or calling upon the Labor Party to change their position policy. on Palestine, mm-hmm. their position policy on Palestine, to call for the immediate recognition of the state of Palestine, like the UK Liberal, uh, Labor Party, where Jeremy Corbyn has said the next Labor government will immediately recognise the state of Palestine. Um, and the the policy before uh, December 18 was that the next Labour government would look and consult with like-minded nations mm. to maybe, I mean, it was very wishy-washy. And the one before was even worse than oh, that. It was, it was very broad, mm. just we support the two-state solution yep. and nothing. Two people living side by side in peace yeah. and security. Um, so, uh, thanks to the sterling efforts, the superb efforts of Ms. Wendy Turner, who's uh, a, a board member of the Australia-Palestine Advocate Network and a vice president of the Labor Party in Queensland, uh, a motion was um, – all this stuff's done in the back rooms, you mm. know, so mm. you don't actually know how it happens. But mm. one, obviously, uh, our side is saying – Immediate recognition as soon as Bill Shorten's going in, mm. that's what's got to happen. On the other side is we can't recognise it, doesn't have a government, etc., 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 and they end up with whatever they end up with. Now the reality is the policy that ended up we ended up with three years ago was a measure of how strong the right was, and I say the right, the right wing section of the Labour Party compared to the left, although they are in the right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the tide and the um, the feeling on Palestine has moved to the point where the right was the one that was seeking to make, you know, we know we're going to have to do something. But can we call them the wrong from now on? <laughs> yeah, the wrong. We knew that they were um, backs against the wall and what they mm. need, what, what can we do to protect Israel as best we can? Mm. And what ended up being passed was, number one, notes, uh, that, so that this is the motion from the, from the conference, was notes previous resolutions on Israel-Palestine carried and 2015 National Conference and the 2016 New South Wales Labor Annual Conference, two, supports the recognition and right of Israel and Palestine to exist as two states within secure and recognised borders, three, calls on the next Labor government to recognise Palestine and the state. Fantastic. Four, expects that this issue will be an important priority for the next Labor government. That is amazing. Now, it's I mean, it's not what we had hoped for, which was to mm. require... Penny Wong, as soon as she was in government, to immediately recognise the state of Palestine. Um, uh, but what it does do is make it very clear that, look, it'll happen in the, in the next thousand mm. days, yeah? Mm. Or assuming that we're 90 days from an election or 100 days from an election, in the next three years after that. And we can know how, um, how far we've moved based on the reaction mm. of the wrong. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and we'll call them the wrong, you know. Yes, this from is, now on, the wrong means... Well, it the means, right wing. Well, it means the right wing. It means Zionists. It means 
you know, agent, anti-Palestinian yeah, Australia's voices. Our Jewish Affairs Council. It means all of anyone those, on the wrong side of history <laughs> and ethics and moralities. The wrong, the wrong. <laughs> they went apoplectic. So, mm. uh, you know, which is, is a testament to how um, I'm not going to say how uh, much needed this uh, step is, but um, from a purely non-political moral uh, obligation, right, because it was an, a Labour government that recognized Israel in uh, forty-seven. It was Labour, I think. Yeah, it was Labour, Doc Everett. And, and, you know, he's a much lauded figure within the Labour Party. Yep. And 71 years later, it's time to recognize Palestine. Do you right recognize time. it? Yeah. And um, this will be a huge shock when mm. it happens. Um, on top of ScoMo's um, uh, misstep and then, you know, when he, when he was retreating, you know, saying that he'll... When he was trying to fix the wrong thing by doing something even worse. Well, I th- I, you know... I, if you read his statement, the, the, you know, there was more for us than for the wrong in that he said, you know, when there is two states for two people, the Palestinian embassy will be in East Jerusalem, that's which, why, which that's is a why. real issue for the Israel firsters, and the wrong, because mm. Jerusalem's undivided. There is no East. This is why Netanyahu did not uh, send him a tweet of another tweet, yeah. uh, unlike the first one. Yeah, yeah. So he remained silent because he didn't, he didn't <clears> see that happening. So, but this this recognition and mm. the move moving forward, and it's a worldwide move, as we know, Yusuf, mm. uh, leads us into the G77 and the United Nations. I also, before I move in, uh, to, uh, I move to this uh, topic, Nasser. I want to ask you because you were in Adelaide and you saw mm. amazing people who spent years, uh, or maybe decades, uh, of their life uh, lobbying and working and supporting Palestinians. I want you to share. Um, um, Things you you've seen, uh, people um, you w- feel free to mention anyone. Especially, um, I don't want to, uh, but I would like also to uh, give credit to uh, the man who did John the walk. Salisbury, yeah, yeah. John Salisbury, John. So um, remiss of, remiss of me not to mention it earlier, but as as we know, John Salisbury walked from uh, from Melbourne to Adelaide with a sign on his back calling for recognition of state of Palestine. His car had you know recognized Palestine stickers on it. Uh, his wife. Followed him on the convoy, <laughs> seven hundred and thirty-seven kilometers. Took him a month during very hot weather. During very hot weather, um, and uh, a delegation met him on the last uh, last day. Mm. Uh, I was part of that delegation, and um, we walked with him uh, about thirty-five kilometers on the last day, all the way through mm. to the conference center in Adelaide, mm. uh, and presented. Uh, John was met by a reception of Labor delegates, um, and he presented a letter to them and. Uh, you know, it was a phenomenal, a phenomenal effort on him to yeah. give up a month of his life, a month away from his family with his wife, to walk for Palestine. Yeah, um, along to the way, raise awareness, raise awareness of the and uh, demand the uh, Labour yeah, Party absolutely. Mm. Uh, to raise awareness, but also to speak to the legitimacy of the Palestinians' call for recognition uh, at the state of Palestine. But he was met, and the reception would have been well over a hundred people. Um, the energy and enthusiasm with which he was received by uh, the Labour Party delegates was so heartwarming. Yeah, I saw the video, uh, and the, even not being there, I was very touched. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so from there, that energy and enthusiasm got carried through uh, the Australia-Palestine Advocacy Network. APAN ran a fringe program, so that was a... Um, uh, so there is the, the conference... But then there's breakout sessions, so yeah. you can go along to the you know the the climate change conference to the LGBT, Adelaide, yeah. yeah, little bits and pieces there, one hour road shows, mm-hmm. if you will, where you know 
lobby groups or interest groups mm. present on their cause and say, this is why your policy should be mm. X. Mm. Um, and we ran a policy on why, uh, uh, a, excuse me, a fringe program on why the Labor Party should immediately recognise the state of Palestine. And we had um, uh, Labor Party members who'd attended uh, an APAN study tour. We took a delegation of Labor mm. Party people um, during the year 2018 to Palestine to see, mm. you know, what's going on. Um, and each of those pal- uh, each of those members of parliament spoke about um, their experiences for just two minutes each. Mm. Um, Bishop Browning opened the the, um, the event. Dr. Sam Shaheen, uh, uh, an, uh, an excellent member Palestinian in South Australia, also spoke. And then um, uh, Peter Burke closed. And I can tell you, he's a very articulate and learned man. Mm. And his presentation at the Fringe program, and then following that, he seconded the motion after Penny Wong with, read it, with a speech, yeah. um, was amongst the most uh, awesome prose spoken for Palestine by a non-Palestinian yeah. at a, you know, a mainstream, mainstream and very... Very significant event. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So, you know, we've got a very good ally in Peter Burke and we, you know, emotionally there was tears, you know, the the, the, the roar mm. in the hall uh, when the motion was, was read, this, you this. know, it really actually, to tell you, the, the best bit of everything was um, the member for Ports, Michael Danby, was about 35 <laughs> metres away from me. And he was, you could see he was seething mm, mm, with mm. anger. So the wrong is out. Yep, that's the way. <laughs> and, that's uh, the way. Onwards we, and upwards for Palestine. We were uh, very lucky uh, to have spoken with John on the phone uh, as he was doing the walk. And uh, we will be delighted to invite him to invite him uh, to the studio and to talk to him in person uh, in uh, maybe enough in, in, in the future a uh, few episodes, Nasser. Absolutely. So uh, this drives us to uh, the G77, which is a coalition of um, maybe 70% of the world's uh, economy and uh, population, uh, because they said the G70 and China. (laughs) So um, And Palestine is chairing this bloc, which is a huge diplomatic victory for the Palestinian people. Not only that we are uh, worthy of membership, we are um, capable of leading uh, United Nations blocs, to uh, the mutual interests of all uh, members of this bloc and all humanity. So, um, and, uh, and and this will probably pave the way for another important and much needed step, which is to call for full membership. Full membership, that's as, right. Because as, uh, at the moment, Observers. we are not full members, we are observant. Uh, member, observers, observers, yep. observers, and uh, that was because of a vote in 2012 uh, at the General Assembly. Uh, a great day for Palestine, I remember. But we also want to upgrade our membership to um, full state. Full state. Yeah. Full state. Even under occupation, one day um, the occupation will end, and we. Well, our, our rights to um, full statehood. membership statehood is greater than Israel's which was preconditioned on full application of 194, which 71 years later hasn't been complied to. So they should be thrown out. They shouldn't even be allowed to be observers. Absolutely, because they are still denying um, the majority of Palestinian population who are refugees like me and you, Nasser, return. Yep, our inalienable right, which is a birthright. Mm. Nobody can give away your 
birthright, mm. nor mine, Yusuf. Mm. Uh, speaking of refugees, Nasser, I have another um, uh, update on the situation of the Palestinians of Iraq. We have spoken numerous times about uh, this uh, small community, which is now very tiny. The Palestinian uh, community of Iraq is the smallest, the smallest community of Palestinians in the Arab world. Uh, the um, the statistics were in 2004, 27,000 only. And this 27,000 was brought to 7,000 in five years due to the uh, sectarian violence that so in the Palestinian, basically targeted everybody. Iraq witnessed very black chapter of the sectarian violence, did not exclude anyone. We saw that happening against Sunnis and Shias and Christians. That's even before ISIS. And um, But they were caught in the sectarian war and... Uh, um, 600 of them were killed, uh, were tortured to death. Uh, 2,000 of them uh, were um, injured, um, and the majority fled Iraq, uh, not knowing where to go. Now, we have spoken about that, uh, and you and I, Nasser, are members of the Aspire uh, project. Uh, but the new thing is that the current government of Iraq is revoking uh, laws of uh, civil status uh, that is negatively affecting the remaining few thousand of the Palestinians, especially in access to superannuation. Now imagine the superannuation that you worked all your life and maybe the superannuation of some widows who are receiving their late husband's um, monthly little payment, but still, mm -hmm. you know, much needed, um, given that there are no other means of livelihood. Um, the current Iraqi government is targeting the superannuation of Palestinians. They did not publicly declare that. There is no such thing called a statement or a policy change, but we have seen tens of cases where they go and they inquire about their their, their monthly or superannuation and they got declined with different um, non-reasonable uh, excuses. Uh, one of them was, sorry, we can't locate your file. Mm -hmm. or, or very, very um, unjustified explanations. And um, this is um, probably, I'm, I'm not going to say the last chapter, this is the most recent chapter of injustices against the statelessness, against the stateless Palestinians, because uh, 71 years, Nasser, of uh, Palestinian Nakba, every year there are more challenges that Palestinians have to see. It's not just the, it's not just the, the denial of return. It's not just the political uh, element. It is the, the daily, the... Um, the social, the economic, the political, and everything. It affects everything. And maybe in future episodes, because we're heading, because we're heading towards the end of this episode, in future episodes, I will talk about the social challenges that are, f that, 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 that are facing the Palestinian communities of the Gulf. There are things that are happening now in Saudi Arabia, in Kuwait, mm. in Qatar, in Emirates, uh, always going to the wrong direction, uh, affecting the Palestinians. So, um, in Iraq, um, the current government is revoking laws that were was treating Palestinians like Iraqis and basically denying them from their own from their own superannuation. You know that this is the, how disgusting this is of and the betrayal of a brother to mm. a brother. If you speak to any uh, people, Iraqis. Or mm. uh, Saudi Arabians or Emirates. Ordinary, ordinary Arabs. Uh, Arabs mm. They'll tell you that the Palestinians built the Gulf. Mm. 
Yeah, they built Iraq, Saudi Arabia. They were the engineers, the physicians, the teachers, the lecturers, because we're the most educated people on earth. Mm. You know, it's drummed into us, Yusuf, as you know. They can take your land, they can take your house, they can take your money, but they can't take what's in your head. No. Education, education, education. But it's this ruling aristocracy, the, the megalomaniacs, the, the, you know, the, whether it's MBS to, uh, through, to the Gulf, uh, through the Emirates, through to Iraq now with uh, the Iranians, the, the, the foot with which they kick the Palestinians with mm. just gets heavier and heavier. Mm. You know? and, and there's no one, nobody to protect us. No. Uh, like Edward Said uh, said it, uh, the, Palestinians, uh, the Palestinian refugees in some Arab countries are constant reminders of their failure. Of their failure. Uh, and that's why there is, you, you, you are not going to start from scratch. And, we, and when I say their failure, I don't mean the people. No, no, I don't mean the societies. Like you said, the, the, our brothers uh, will always be our brothers. Uh, but the, some of the government will have a tendency of anti-Palestinian treatment or double standards. Of course. And we've seen that the, if, if, if you target Palestinians, you can get away with it easily. Or what we say in Arabic, al-hayat I don't know how we can translate that mm. uh, in English. Uh, the, uh, the easy target. The, 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 the easy target. Soft touch. Soft touch. Soft touch. Uh, I guess this is all we have time for, uh, Nasser. Um, uh, this is the first episode in 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, 51 more episodes, hopefully, this year with more news, uh, stories and views and reflections on Palestine, about Palestine, with Palestinians or with pro-Palestine non-Palestinians. So thank you, uh, Nasser. Thanks, Yusuf. We look forward to uh, Robert joining us very soon. He's still on holidays. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. And uh, we will remind our listeners that uh, we will be back uh, 9.30 next Saturday. Until then, have a great time and salam.